I wanted to boil this down to the, to the basics of what I know that I could share with you. Because here's the thing. We've been talking about this. Look, life can be overwhelming at times. We've, we've discovered that more so in the last 16 to 18 months than ever before in our lives through this pandemic. Life can be overwhelming. And life can be uncertain at times. We're, we're always going to be tempted to be discouraged and be worried. I'm just like you. Just come. I'm, I'm a pastor. When my life is going crazy, or everybody else's life is going crazy, or the world is going crazy, I'm tempted to be discouraged. I'm tempted to be overwhelmed. So what we do, Nancy and I, when we start feeling like our world has been has been shaken, is I literally pull out a piece of notebook paper and I start writing down. This is. Let's go back to what we know. This is what I know. And when I write down the first thing, God loves me, God has a plan, God knows the future, he's the only one that knows the future, God is with me, and today we're going to talk about God is in control. When I can focus, when everything, I turn off the news, you should just turn off all news, I'm just saying, you know, an hour hour of bad news is enough, okay, because they're just going to repeat that 23 more hours, so turn off the bad news and just go back and... And focus on what you know, especially when the world seems to be falling apart. What it does for me is it calms my world down. What it does for me is it gives me hope that, hey, I'm going to be okay no matter what the government does, no matter what world leaders do, no matter what the economy does, no matter what my neighbor, my boss, my sibling, my even my spouse does, no matter what anybody does, if I can just focus on this is what I know. God loves me. God's got a plan. God is in control. God knows the future. He's with me. It makes everything better. Listen. I want to give that to you. I, you can hear it on Sundays when you're here, but if you need it on a Tuesday when your world's falling apart, pull out a piece of paper and write down what you know. There's so much we don't know, but there's a few things we know. And the few things we know overcome all that we don't know. So we've been talking about these important characteristics of God, who God is, He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He knows the future. But more importantly, why that matters to my life and your life. Why why the big theological statements and characteristics of God matter in the everyday Monday through Sunday of our lives. And how when we understand these things, more than understand them, when we focus and we know them and we live in them in that moment, it leads to greater joy. It leads to greater meaning. It leads to peace that passes all understanding. When your world's going crazy, when the storms of life are swirling, and you're at peace, like in the eye of the storm, people around you don't understand. Those are the people who are standing steadfast, as some of our songs talk about, in God's faithfulness. And are saying, you know what? I don't know about all that. This is all I know. All I know. God loves me. God has a plan. God knows the future. God is with me. God is in control. And let me tell you, that's enough. I've got some people in my life whose lives are falling apart. This week, shrapnel has hit their world. And I got a text earlier. I needed this today. You know what? We all need this today, even if your life isn't blowing up right before your eyes. So let me read you this verse. We're going to talk about God, and I want to make sure that, you know, when you read through Psalms, Psalms is so long. It's such a huge book, right? That if you ever read through Psalms, man, it's like you got to, like, keep on going, or you're never going to get through Psalms. That's how we feel sometimes. We just got to, we rush through it. And sometimes what we've got to do is we've just got to stop, like we talked about last week, and be still. We're going to talk about it again this week. Psalm 47, 2. Don't miss this verse when you're rattling through Psalms in your one-year Bible. For, for the Lord Most High is awesome. Let me just say, I love any translation where it uses the word awesome. Okay, people ask me all the time, hey, what's the best translation to, to get? I always say, whatever one you'll read, that's the best one. Okay, you can own all the translations. If you don't read any of them, they don't do you any good. 
But we use the NLT. This is NLT. This is, for the Lord Most High is awesome. He is the great king of all the earth. So the Bible says that God is the great king of all the earth, and he is in control. Now, the big theological word for this, the seminary word for this, is the sovereignty of God. Now, sovereignty is at least a word that we're familiar with, even if you didn't grow up in church. You know what sovereign and sovereignty means. You might not know, if you didn't grow up in church, you might not know what omniscience is or omnipresence is or or omnipotent is, but sovereignty is one that we at least know about. Let me give you a definition of the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God means God is in control. Will you fill that in? God is in control. Now, the truth is, if we're honest, we struggle with this idea. We hear those words, God's in control, and we, we hear Sunday school teachers teaches God is in control, or pastor types teaches God is in control, but we really struggle with this because, quite frankly, if you look at the world around you, when you read your news feed on Twitter or Facebook or wherever you get some of your news, or, like I said, you've got cable news on 24 hours, if you, it seems like the entire world is spinning out of control. We see these images, we see unrest, we see injustice, we see a whole other level of craziness every time we tune in. And there are moments in our lives where we feel like life is just out of control. Like maybe you've been married 15 years and all of a sudden your spouse walks out on you. And your life just blew up. And it's out of control. Or there's a change in your career that you weren't expecting or planning for. And you find out, oh, your company's been planning for that change of career for a long time. And now you've been changed. And you didn't see it coming. And that, that is, it's out of your control. Or maybe someone that you love close to you receives a diagnosis of cancer or of something worse. And you could go on, I could go on and on and on about things that happen in our lives that make us feel like our lives are out of control. So how is it in spite of that, that God is in control? Can we really trust God to be in control when it feels like everything around us is out of control? Well, there's a great verse in the Old Testament by the prophet Isaiah who actually is quoting God. God is speaking through Isaiah. That's why I have this in quotes. I want to read you Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. This is God speaking. God says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Basically, God is saying, look... You can trust me because I see things you can't see. I know things you can't know. You don't know. And I think about things that you can't even comprehend, God says. And because of that, you can trust me. We can trust God even when our world and the world around us don't make any sense. Even though we don't fully understand what's going on in our life or in the life world around us or why it's going on, we can trust God because his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God says, I've got these plans for you, these plans that are found in my word. And my word, the Bible, gives you the plan that's best for your life. We say, well, you know what, God? I feel like I kind of know what's best for my life. I and mean, don't we say that to God often? Like, God, I, I, I'm 54 years old. I've been around a long time. long time, we say to God. So I think I know what's best for my life. No offense, God. And in those moments, that's when our life starts falling apart, when we take control or when we think we take control. So God says, listen, Jerry, you just need to learn to trust me. I'm older, much older than 54 years old. I've been around much, much longer. I've seen things you've never seen. I've see, I see the future that you've never seen. You just need to trust me. I know things you'll never know. 
it might not make sense now, Jerry, but if you'll just trust me with control of your life, I will work my plan out. And it's a good plan. That's what we're talking about today. How do I give God control of my life? We need to know that God is in control even when the circumstances of life, the changing winds of life come our way. So I want you to jot a few things down. A God is in control even when set of things. We jot these down. First one I want you to write down is God is in control even when I don't get my way. Have you lived long enough to realize life doesn't always turn out the way you want it to turn out? We're not going to get our way in life all the time. Some of us, were like toddlers. I mean, toddlers, what do they do when they don't get their way? They throw a fit, don't they? They stomp, ah, they whine, ah, they want it their way. And some of us never grow out of that. We're 30-year-old toddlers, you know. I'm throwing a fit. I want it to happen my way, but... You've learned through life that there are moments in our life where we realize things are not going to go my way all the time. In other words, you make your plans. You think it's a good plan. You convince those around you this is a great plan. And, and you think everything could be okay if I could just make this my plan, if I could just get this plan to go. And it doesn't work out. You put an offer in on your dream home. You've got this whole plan. And they didn't accept your offer. They accept somebody else's offer. Somebody else wrote them one of those letters and they made them cry. They gave them their offer. You're like, but ours was even more money. And they're like, we don't care. We want their offer. That doesn't make any sense. They just wrote you a letter. And your plans fall through. Or maybe you have these plans and you're going to start a business and things look great and rosy and you have all these plans and the world just kind of clobbers your business. You started your, you started your great idea, your great business. Your, you opened your restaurant in March of 2020, and pandemic, right? And life threw you a curveball. Um, or you applied for a promotion, and you had the inside track, and everybody said, "Oh, this is no problem." And some some guy from the outside got the promotion or some guy from the inside got that promotion. You you just had it in your plans, in your mind, everything was going to be just so. You kind of had already thought through all, and nothing went your way. But God is still in control even when I don't get my own way. Second one I want you to jot down. God is in control when I experience a loss. Listen, life is full of losses, and losses can make skeptics of us all. Why? You lose somebody that's close to you too soon in life, and you're tempted to say, why, God, why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? And it's not just somebody that you lose to death. You can lose a job. Why? Why is this happening? You can, you can lose a relationship or even a pregnancy. You say, God, why did this have to happen? Or why did this happen to me? Why is this happening now? And at that moment, you feel helplessly out of control. And it's because there's nothing you could have done to change it or you would have done it. God is even in control. God is in control even when I experience a loss. Last one I want you to jot down. God is in control even when I'm afraid. Even when I'm afraid. Fear is something we all live with. None of us gets through life without experiencing fear. No one's immune to it. In fact, one of the most basic impulses we have is fear. Fear is not always bad, by the way. Sometimes fear keeps us alive. Fear is really good when it keeps us alive. Fear is really good when it keeps us from doing something that's going to ruin our life and give us regret. Fear is really good when it keeps us safe. Are you afraid to play in traffic on I-4? Good fear. Okay, don't get out of your car and run around in I-4. Why not? I'm afraid I'll be run over. Great fear. It'll keep you alive. Fear helps us to stay safe. 
Fear is not always bad. But sometimes we let fear control our lives. We're afraid of everything. We're afraid of the future. We're afraid of the present, of committing to the present. We're afraid of losing something or we're afraid of losing someone. Or we're we're so afraid we never step out in faith because it seems like it's risky. So whether our fears are big or small, whenever those fears set in, in that moment, everything feels like it's out of control. God says, yes, I'm still the king, the great king of the earth. I'm still in control, even when you're afraid. So I want to look at Three ways today, three practical ways that we can apply today, Sunday, October 31st. We can apply this, this this today. We can apply it this week. We can apply it this month. Can you believe November 1st is tomorrow? November is my favorite month because the whole month is focused on Thanksgiving, giving thanks to God. And this is the one holiday that hasn't been so overly commercialized that has ruined its meaning, at least for me. Um, So as we head into Thanksgiving month, as we head into I'm going to be thanking God and I'm going to be giving back, giving him, giving them, giving from my heart the best month ever, I want us to talk about how can we make November different? How can we make this week different? How can we make even today different so that I can give God control of my life. The first one I want you to write down is that in order to give God control of my life, I've got to recognize his power. I recognize his power. This is the starting point because sometimes in life we think we know better than God. We take things on their own advisement. We we take control of things. Um, it, you know, that's that's something that's valued in our society, in our culture. Oh, he's a, he's a man of control. He's a man who, he takes charge. She, she's got control of her house and control of her kids and control of nothing, really. But that, that's what they think, right? But once we really recognize how powerful God is, when we stop, when we slow down, and we recognize how powerful God is, in that moment we realize, you know what? We'd be a lot better yielding, surrendering, giving control of our lives to our great, great God. Because we can trust Him. When life is out of control, we can trust Him with our marriage, with our finances, with our careers, with our kids, with whatever struggle, with whatever difficulty, whatever problem, whatever storm that we're facing. Now, we looked at this verse last week. And we paused on it for a minute. I want to pause on it even more today. The verse is Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. Only seven words. But there's three great truths we get from this. In fact, this is another one of those ones you just blow right by. And then even in the verse it's telling you to stop, stop, stop. Be still and know that I am God. Three, these are what I call kind of, they're truths that are kind of like, duh, right? I mean, Pastor, you don't even need to take time to explain this to me. I already get that. I already know that. I don't need somebody to tell me what that is. It's right there. Even so, I want us to pause. I want us to be still. And I want us to realize that these truths are so foundational. The first one is, would you jot this down? God is God. Dun, 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 dun. I mean, that's almost like, really, I came all the way to church for that? God is God? Yes. God is God. This tells us he's a great, the other verse tells us he's a great ruler of all the earth. God's the one who's in control. God is God. Because of that truth, the second truth is true. And this is much more important to us, or equally important, I should say. God is, because God is God. I want you to write this one. I am not. For some of us, that's like, that's enough to set your world back in, in line. God is God, and I am not. Sometimes we get those confused. We have to admit it. Sometimes I live my life and I act like, well, God, you're not really God. I'm God. I'm taking control of this. 
Uh, and, and we think to ourselves, you know, if I do what I want to do the way I want to do it, it's going to turn out the way I want it to turn out. I can manage those expectations and those plans. But at some point in our life, we've got to start to realize that we're not really in control of very much of anything. You think you control your kids. You think you control your, your marriage. You think you control your destiny, your career, all those things. Boy, there's not much in life that we really control. This verse tells us that God is God and I am not. And then the third truth that's there is because God is God and I am not, I just need to be still. I just need to be still and stop pretending that I got it all figured out. Stop pretending that I got it all under control. And I just need to trust the God who's really in control. Now, if you want to see how powerful God is, really the only place you have to look is creation. When you see creation and you connect creation with what the Bible says about creation, it's amazing. Well, God created the earth. We know that. He created our sun. He created our solar system. He created our galaxy. He created the entire universe. Psalm 33, 6, another one that's easy to blow by if you're reading through one year Bible and just wrote. I mean, there's a lot of Psalms, isn't there? And sometimes you're reading through Psalms, there's so many Psalms, you're like, let's just hurry up and keep on going. Oh, that was good. Can't stop. We've got to get there. Got to get there. You know, and you, we miss out on so much because Psalms has so much and so much of so much. Psalm 33, 6 says, the Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. The universe was created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. Now just pause for a second. That is impressive. Can we do that? Can anybody just say, star be born? No. God is that powerful that he just speaks stars into creation. That's almost like too big for us to get. By the way, the largest star, you probably know this from your uh, astronomy class, the largest star that we've ever found in our universe, anybody know what it is? Canis Majoris is the largest star that's ever been found in our universe. Now, I know you're tempted right now to fact check me and Google me right now. You're welcome to do that right after the end of the service, but just, you know, don't, don't pull out your phone yet. Um, I already looked it up for you to make sure. And this is what I found out. You're going to know that I looked it up because, you know, I, he could never know this on his own. It's so big that it, if you took the earth and you put the earth inside Canis Majoris, the largest star in, uh, that we've ever discovered, we would, we would see that scientists estimate you could fit seven quadrillion earths. Can you even write that number? I mean, good grief. When I say that, I mean, that, that, that deserves just a moment of silence, right? Seven quadrillion Earths inside this star. But when it, those numbers are so big, they just don't have any perspective or meaning to me. I mean, I don't know the difference between seven quadrillion and six quadrillion. It's one quadrillion. I know the difference. But I don't, they're so big that that doesn't mean anything to me. So I looked this up. It says they estimate... That if the earth is the size of a golf ball, if I had a golf ball up here and we said out here, and that's the earth, and we're, on, we're somewhere down on that little peninsula in the middle of the ocean there, Florida, uh, that our sun, the star that our solar system revolves around, the sun would be 15 feet in diameter. 15 feet, just to give you perspective, the Florida ceiling in this room is 14 feet. The sun, if the earth was the size of a golf ball, the sun would go one foot into the... This room is about 35, 36 feet wide, so it would be half of the room all the way to the ceiling. That's how big the sun would be if the earth was the size of a golf ball. Canis Majoris, if the earth was the size of a golf ball, which makes the sun the size of the ceiling of this room, half the room, would be the size of Mount Everest. That's how many how many golf balls could you put into the the mass of Mount Everest is how big Canis Majoris is compared to the Earth. 
and it helps me get my mind around the God spoke that into existence. Our God is so powerful. That's how big our God is that he can just let there be stars and there are stars. And if our God is that big and that powerful, he's big enough for me to trust him with my little problems and my little life. But God's not just so big and so powerful. The Bible also says that on the other end of the spectrum, that God knows how many grains of sand there are at the beach. Now, this is none of those things where I just hardly get Because we're from Florida. We've all been to the beach. Has everybody been to the beach at least once in Florida? I mean, even if you're like, you're brand new to Florida, you've only been here a month or so, it's like you've been to the beach already, haven't you? Of course, I went there my first week here. Like, what's the big deal, right? i got to see the beach. And from here, we all go over to New Smyrna Beach. Can you imagine if we were going over to New Smyrna Beach and we were taking a walk on the beach? And how many grains of sand do you think there are on the New Smyrna Beach? How many grains of sand? Anybody got any idea? More, 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 right? I mean, how could you count? If I said, could you go count the grains of sand on, on New, New Smyrna Beach? you go, no. You couldn't. With a magnifying glass, you couldn't count the grains of sand on New Smyrna Beach if you spent the rest of your life. You'd run out of life before you'd get through the sand. If we all went over, we couldn't count all the sand, all the grains of sand on New Smyrna Beach in all of our lives. It would be futile. It's absurd. Right? Yet, I want you to see what the Bible says about this amazing almighty God who created the earth, created the sun, created the universe, created Canis Majoris. And I want you to see what the Bible says that God what he thinks about you. Psalm 139, verse 17 and 18 says, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. King David writes this. They cannot be numbered. They're countless. They're, I can't even count them. God, your thoughts about me, they outnumber the grains of sand. Here's the big thing. The same God, the Almighty God who speaks the creation, speaks the universe into creation. The earth, the sun, Canis Majoris, a hundred billion of other stars out there. The same God has more loving thoughts about you, the Bible says. He has more loving thoughts about you than all of the grains of sand on all the beaches on this planet how do we get our head around that how do we understand that that god loves you more than anything you're the you're the pinnacle of his creation his primary creation and he loves you more than anything and he's thought about you so many times those thoughts have outnumbered the number of stars in the sky and the number of grains of sand on the shore and if a God that powerful thinks about you and loves you that much, buddy, we can trust God with our lives. You can trust him with control of your life. Now, maybe you're in a situation right now and your situation seems impossible. Maybe you're in a situation that feels like, I just don't see any way out. And the people you've talked to, they agree with you. Yep, you're, you're hosed. You're, you're, you're done. There's no way out of this. It's impossible. And, and it might be impossible for you. But it's not impossible for God. The same God who created the earth, the sun, the stars, and Canis Majoris, he, he can fix your marriage. That same God, he can heal your heart. That same God, he can fix your financial situation. He can direct your career path. And that's exactly what he wants to do. Because he loves you so, so much. So no matter how difficult the road in front of you seems in your life right now, no matter how out of control all of the circumstances seem, we can trust God with our life. And the reason we can trust him with our life is because of his power. But there's another reason. I want you to jot down number two. The next reason that you can trust God with your life 
is I've got to remember his promises. I must remember his promises. All of us know what it's like for people to break their promises to us. Somebody that was close to us. Maybe your parents broke promises. Maybe your spouse broken vows and promises. Maybe your siblings, your company, even your pastor will break promises. But you know who will never break a promise? God will never, ever, ever break a promise to you. In fact, it's against his character. God's character, he says, is to never break his word. See, when I think of all the things God's promised, they say that there's almost 7,000 promises of God in his word. If I'll do this, God will promise to do that. When I think of all the promises, when my mind runs there, whenever God makes a promise, and I know that that promise is for my own good, it helps me to realize I can give him control. He'll never, he's always faithful. King David writes this in Psalm 119 again, verse 148 this time. David says, I stay awake through the night thinking about your promises. Now, this is kind of a strange verse, if you ask me, because why would David stay up all night thinking about God's promises? Is he afraid? No. Is there like, there's nothing else to do? You're a king, so you don't have anything to do? No, that's not it. Actually, he's staying awake because of how excited he is about God's promises in his life. He has seen how God has fulfilled the promises in his life to this point, and he's seen how God has been faithful and fulfilled the promise in other people's lives as well. And he's so excited about the promises that God has that he stays awake, not focusing, not focusing on worries or difficulties, but on God's promises in his life. Now, make no mistake, I am not suggesting that you stay up all night thinking about God's promises. Right? Because you, you need to get your sleep. We talked about that last week. Like, Jerry, I can't be still. I fall asleep. It's like, yeah, you need to be still and go ahead and fall asleep. In fact, we even said sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. How many of you got a nap this week? Anybody? You had permission. Good, good. Several of you. First service is like, nope, we're the early bird. We don't ever take a nap. You know. Late service, like, oh, we take naps all the time. Pastor, I, I was just sleeping a minute ago. Thanks for waking me up. I love the late service because I can preach all day and you guys are captured. Uh, early service, that's why they're here. They know i gotta be, I got to be done by the time you all get here. All right, I'm on to you. I'm on to you. Uh, yes, you've got to get some sleep, right? But listen, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if you did this? What if as you went to bed, what if you spent those five minutes before you go to sleep just thinking about a few of the promises of God. Imagine what a great night's sleep you would get. I mean, that's like, for those of you who, I'm not an early bird, everybody wants me to get up with Jesus and have a quiet time, this is your greatest opportunity. Take, move your quiet time to the evening, because you don't even believe in God before coffee anyway. And you start, you start 15 minutes, 30 minutes before bed, and you start thinking about the promises of God. Go I've always said if you go, now this isn't God saying this, but I've always said if you go to bed praying to God, it's like you're praying all through sleep your whole night, right? You credit for that somewhere. I said that. God doesn't say that. Okay. But listen to what God does say in Psalm 33, 18. But the Lord watches over those who fear him, those who rely on his unfailing love. See, God's going to be up all night anyway. Whatever you're worried about, God's going to be up all night anyway. You can just surrender control of that to him. And he promises, I'm going to watch over you and look over you. You see, when God promises something, it happens. Maybe you're sitting here today and, quite frankly, you've forgotten about a lot of the promises of God. And you you have... you've you've ignored or you've forgotten or you haven't spent as much time thinking about the promises of God. And that makes it difficult for you to give control of your life over to God. I want to encourage you. We've got to move away from this idea that maybe God will fulfill his promises and embrace instead the idea of no, not maybe. I know 
God will fulfill his promises. So go back to what I know. I know God loves me. I know God knows the future. I know God is with me. I know God has a plan. I know God is in control. I know God keeps his promises. These are the things we know, and we need to declare them for ourselves. And because I know that God's going to keep his promises, we can give him control of our life. All right, so I'm going to give God control of my life. I'm going to have to recognize his power. I'm going to have to remember his promises. The last one I want you to jot down is I recommit to his plan. I recommit to his plan. God has a plan. Did you know that? Do you know that God is a planner? He is a planner. Some of us today, we consider ourselves planners. You know, those of you who are planners, you like to plan everything. You like to plan and shape, you know, it's awesome to be a planner. God's a planner. Um, if the, There's some of us here who we're not planners. We don't ever plan anything. We just married a planner. They plan everything. We don't need two planners. I consider myself a planner. Nancy looks at me like, you're a planner? I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I plan our vacations. You know, it's fun. So I plan vacations. She plans most everything else, all the, all the hard stuff. I plan the fun stuff. So I consider myself a planner. But whether you're a planner or not, God, the Bible says God's a planner. In fact, the Bible says he's a master planner. For example, you go back to creation. We talked about creation. God has a plan in creation. You can see it's an orderly plan. He created the universe. He created the world. But he didn't just go haphazardly through it. You can tell there's an order. There's a systematic way that God went about this. There's a progression through what God, because God has a plan. All throughout Scripture, wherever we see God moving in Scripture, whatever plan he's working out on this earth, it all fits into his overarching plan. If you ever take the study called the story, um, it's the upper story that God has going on. And then he works in our lives in this lower story. But everything that happens in the lower story all fits into his upper story plan. That's the big thing that God has going on, his big plan, his grand plan. But he also has plans that are very personal and individualistic with us. And they all fit into his big plan. Psalm 18.30 says, God's way is perfect. And all the Lord's promises prove true. Because God's plans and ways are perfect, we can trust him with our life. We can give him control of our life. The problem is, for all of human history, we as a race have been telling God... His plans really aren't perfect. God says, my plans are perfect. We're like, yeah, God, I don't think your plans are so perfect. We do that in our lives. We're like, you know what, God, I think I've got a better idea than you. I've got a better plan than you. God, I know what's best for me, and it's better than your plan. So, you know, I think now is better than later. I don't want to wait. I'm going to go fix it myself. And this has happened through all of human history. You go back to Adam and Eve. God says, here's the plan. They're like, yeah, we don't like your plan. We're going to do our plan. That didn't work out so well. They got us in this mess, right? You think of Father Abraham. Has many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham, right? Father Abraham, he's, he's promised he's going to have a son. He's like, man, they're never going to be singing about me if I don't get this thing started. I've been waiting all these years for God, so I'm going to take matters into my own hands. I'm going to take Hannah into my own hands and... And I'm going to help God out on this plan and promise he has for me. And we see how that has turned out. That didn't turn out so well. He had an alternate plan. That's what we do. Sometimes we want to help God with his plan. We create an alternate plan or a better plan or a sooner plan in our lives. This has been happening all of our lives. It's not just the Old Testament. Same thing in the New Testament. Some of the heroes of the New Testament, they came up with their own plan. You know, Jesus told the disciples, I'm going to lay down my life for you. Peter's like, no, 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 Lord. He tries to talk them out of it. He's like, you don't have to go hang, hang on a cross and sacrifice your life for us to pay for our sins. We can overthrow the government. We can take things into our own hands right here. Up until the point in the garden where they're about to take Jesus into custody, and Peter's still working out his own plan. He pulls out his sword, chops off a guy's, he's aiming for his head, got his ear. And he says, no, 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 this is a better plan. All through human history, through the Bible, through our own lives, we've, been, we've seen people live their plans instead of God's plans. You know, the truth is, we're the same way today. We try to convince God that our ideas 
Our plans are what we want to do. God, please bless my plans. God says, listen, if you'll just trust me, if you'll trust my perfect plans, you'll understand that they are what's best for you. Solomon writes this in Psalm in Proverbs 19.21. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purposes will prevail. Now, this verse doesn't tell us that we shouldn't make plans. Because I know all you non-planners have been sitting there going, Yeah, see, we shouldn't even have any plans. Just trust God's plan. Let's go with the flow. God's plan will happen. No, no, no. It tells us we should make plans. But it also tells us that while we're making our plans, we've got to be mindful of God's big plans. That God's plans always prevail. And it's God's plans that are perfect. So whenever I make a plan, whenever we make a plan, we've got to measure that and say, God, in accordance to your plans, this is what I'm planning. God, I want to do what your plan is for my life. So what do you want me to do, God? What do you want me to say, God? You may be asking, well, Jerry, how do I know what God's plan is? How do I know God's plan? How do I know that it's God's plan and not just my plan? Well, God's plan is found in God's Word. Whenever we read God's Word, He directs us to our specific plan. If we're not reading His Word regularly, we're not going to be able to figure out His specific plan for our life. Now, God has a specific plan for our life. He also has a primary plan and primary purpose. It's also in God's Word, but I'm going to help you with that one. I'm going to tell you right where to find that. Do you know that God, you know God's specific, His specific primary plan and purposes for your life? It's in Ephesians 3, 11 and 12. It says, this was His eternal plan. He's talking about God's eternal plan. This is His eternal plan, which... He carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Do you see what God's primary plan is for you? It's for you to know him and for you to experience his presence. And the way you do that is through Jesus Christ. The problem is, is we've chosen our own way. We've chosen to take control of our own lives. And every time we do that, we wrestle our control back from God. As a result, we go our own way. As a result, our world kind of starts to fall apart. And the Bible says that all of us have messed up and run in our own lives, that we're all sinners. That's the word the Bible uses. We all fall short of God's perfection. So much, but God loves us so much, John 3.16 says, God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus that if we would put our trust in him, believe in him, we won't perish and we'll have eternal life in God's presence with him. I don't have to be separated from God's presence because of what Jesus did. That's God's primary plan for you, that you will know him and that you will live in his presence. If you want to know what God's plan is for you, that's his primary plan that you will spend time with him in relationship with him and know him and experience his presence every day now if you're here today or you're watching out in the pavilion or watching online and you've never accepted jesus as your savior you've never asked him to become lord of your life then i want to invite you in just a couple minutes when we pray i want to invite you to do that all all you're going to say is God, I've held on to control for long enough. I'm ready to surrender, to give up control of my life to you. Turn it over to you. And I accept your free gift of of salvation. And I want to live in your presence. That's all, that's all you're going to say. But see, there's a lot of us here who we've already done that. We've already decided to follow Christ and ask God to forgive us of our sins and invite Jesus into our life to be our Savior and our Lord. Yet, Sometimes we still feel distant from God. Maybe you've been experiencing that. You felt distant from God. You haven't felt God's presence in your life. Oftentimes, the reason is because we're so busy making our own plans. Maybe that's you. You've been so busy making your career plan. You're so busy making your family plan. Or you're so busy with your goals and success plan. All these kind of things. As a result, you've forgotten about God's primary plan. primary plan is to know Him better every day and to live in his presence. 
You've been relying on yourself. And listen, self-reliance is celebrated in our culture. Yes, you've got to be self-reliant. Don't depend on anybody else. You've got to pick yourself up by your own bootstraps. We clap. We, we have accolades for that person that is so self-reliant. I don't know that that's a compliment, that you're so self-reliant. Because what happens when you're so self-reliant is your world is out of control. And you're, you don't know where to turn. Yet we have this big, big God who created the universe who loves us so much that all we have to do is say, you know what? I'm not God. He's God. I'm just going to be still and surrender this over to him. It's very easy. I don't have to understand everything about God. I don't have to know the future. But I can know this. The government's not going to help me. My neighbor's not going to help me. My spouse isn't going to solve all my problems. They've got their own problems. We're in the problems together. Heck, we made half the problems ourselves. You know? You're the problem. You're the problem, kind of a... I don't have to have all that figured out. All I have to do is surrender my life back to that primary plan. So maybe you've been Christ follower for a while, but you've kind of forgotten God's primary plan for you, to know him to live in his presence. You've been taking things into your own hand. You've been wrestling them back. That's what we do. We're like, I surrender to you. God, you know, we've, the last second, we're pulling that back. You know, I'm placing it on the altar, but in the last second, we're taking it with us, right? So we end up letting other things take control. Maybe your career is taking control of you. Maybe greed is taking over for you. You want what everybody else has. Or maybe maybe it's a relationship or an addiction that's taking over and cost you valuable time with your relationship with God or your family. I don't know what it is for you, but I do know that for those of us who are followers of Christ that find us in a distant place and we're wrestling back control, it's like we said last week, God is only one step away. If we would take that step back to him, we would right then be back in his presence. And every time we do that, you know, when our life is spinning out of control, when things are going a little sideways, that's when we go back to what we know. We say, God loves me. God knows the future. God has a plan. God is with me. God is in control. God has a, a plan. I read you this verse, I think it was last week or the week before, Jeremiah 29, 11. It's, I'll close with this. God says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. God's plan for you is a good plan, a plan to give you hope. He created you to know him and to live forever in his presence. We start learning how to live in his presence while we're here. Today we can do that. We can reestablish his plan for our life and give him control. Because we realize how powerful he is. We realize he keeps his promises to us. And we realize how good his plans are for us. When we bow our heads and pray. As we pray this morning, I want to I give you an opportunity to respond to maybe what God is saying to your heart. For those of you who are here today and or are watching online and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. It's very simple. There's no magic words. There's no magic phrase. You just open up your heart and you speak from your heart. You can pray this quietly in your heart, right from your living room, right from your seat here. And you just say, God, I'm done being the only one in control of my life. Can that be your prayer? It's in your own mind. Say, God, I'm done. I'm done being the only one in control of my life. Today, I want to turn over control of my life to you. I know I'm not perfect. I know I've sinned and I've messed up my life. And I thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross so that my sins could be forgiven. Jesus, today, please come into my heart Forgive me of my past. Give me a purpose for living so that I may follow your plans and I may live in your presence both today and for all of eternity. 
I want to follow you from this day forward in the fellowship of your church. Maybe you're here today and you've already, you're already a follower of Jesus. But you've been feeling distant. You've been in a battle for control of your life. Maybe there's something specific. Your career. Your family. A decision. A goal. A concern. And you've been just trying to wrestle control away from God. Listen, if you're here today... Can you just pray this prayer quietly in your in your heart? Just say, God, I know your ways are not my ways. And I know your thoughts are not my thoughts. Help me to understand your plans. God, today I give you control once again. And I trust that your plan is perfect. And I trust that it's from my best. Even though sometimes I don't always understand it. God, help me to draw close to you and to know your plans as I remember your promises and as I look into your word. God, Heavenly Father, today for all of us, here we praise you that you are the Almighty God. And though we may never understand your ways, Lord, you love us anyway. You sent your Son to die for us anyway. God, we thank you. Thank you that through Jesus we can experience your presence. God, remind us today that just as surely as you're in control of this world and this universe, God, we can trust you with control of our problems and our lives. In Jesus' name we pray all this. Amen. Now, knowing God is in control brings me a lot of peace, and I trust you'll use what we learned today to deal with whatever you may face in the week to come. Enjoy the rest of your Halloween day. Kids, make sure you get some candy, and I'll see you guys next week. See ya.